friends. Welcome to Galsplained. The podcast where two best gals explain anything and everything to each other better than any man ever has. This week, we're diving into that feeling in your 20s that nothing is going right. Yep. We're talking about the dreaded quarter-life crisis. Yeah, you could Google it, but isn't it more fun to learn it from some friends? I I did that on purpose, by the way, Claire, because I'm Michelle. (laughs) And and I'm Claire, if if you didn't gather that. Also, you can learn it from friends, but also if you just Googled it, you wouldn't be able to hear all of our wonderful opinions. Google doesn't share our opinions with you. <laughs> and Claire and I are very opinionated and confused this week, since, as you know, our birthdays were recent and we both turned an age closer to 30. Um, I know, scary. Um, but we are in the, the, the right age for this category, I think. Yeah, so I'm 24 and Michelle is 25, officially the quarter life some people think is 25. Um, But I did want to talk before we dove too deep into our topic. Did you get anything fun for your birthday, Michelle? Um, you know, I got some therm a thermos from my roommate. I got I got a lunchbox from my other roommate, which both are very exciting for me since I do not work from home. So I that is need how both you know that you're becoming a real adult. That you're like a thermos. Thank you. It was a really nice thermos. My roommate oh, described know, it I as know. a sexy thermos, which I laughed at. But upon further use of it, I realized it is a sexy thermos. <laughs> so I got those things. I, oh, I actually got a lot of astrology things from my friends. Uh, that I will use to like learn about astrology. And so uh, there might be an upcoming astrology episode after I learn some of these things. We'll see. Well, I, I got a lot of wonderful things. I had my f- friend, Rachel, who I've talked about many times in the podcast. She was in town. So that was the best birthday gift. Uh, having a friend that I haven't seen in over a year. We're both fully vaccinated. So we were able to have our big hug at the airport, the big reunion, which was uh, lovely. And then I did just get showered with some wonderful gifts. But I did want to mention, Michelle sent me mushroom ketchup, (laughs) a callback to our podcast episode. And, you know, I can't wait to use it. I also wanted to say kind of a funny gift um, I think I'm I'm getting more known to my friends that come in my apartment and my parents that I am a plant lady. I love plants. I have a lot of plants. I'm very passionate about them. I speak to them. I love watching them grow. I notice when they What's have What's happening? Like- <laughs> Why are we talking about this? I'm a little okay, worried. Okay, okay. <laughs> so my mom, you know, couldn't Uh, I didn't see her on my birthday. And so she sent like a delivery of a plant from a florist who also sells like beautiful plants. And she picked it out online, not knowing the size of the plant, thinking it was like a regular sized house plant. Let me let me just turn the camera so you can see Michelle. Oh, man. Okay, so wait, wait, wait. Put it back, put it back. What I'm looking at right now is a plant, which is on a table, to be fair. So, you know, I was expecting when she was describing this like a tree in her house. However, it is a huge flower coming out of this uh, vase. 
um, which has a ton of big green leaves popping out of it. It's not like tall and thin. It's like wide too. It is like so girthy. We tried to put it it doesn't look quite right on the floor because the leaves go out so far that it takes up like so much floor space. We live in an apartment. We put it on the table. We couldn't eat around it. So now it is on the counter. If you're listening, mom, I love you. Such a thoughtful gift. It's just so it's beautiful. funny how big it is because I walked down to the office to pick it up and I had to carry it back from like our office. And I was like struggling, like sweating. Uh just wanted to share that i do see i'm growing up i do see your issue though it's like the big it's the right amount to be big so be too big for a table almost but it's too small and girthy to be placed on a floor and not look like it's taking up a weird amount of space yeah we're gonna keep playing around with it um because (laughs) i love plants i i think that I hate when people get plants and they like are like, okay, now I'm just going to go away for a few weeks and not worry about them and I'll buy new ones when I get home. It like breaks my heart because they're little living things that need to be cared for. And so my friend is away this week and I was like, I'll come water your plants um, just because I, I'm like, I just, I just want them all to thrive. I've become a plant lady. So there you go. 24 full-on plant lady (laughs) i tried to become a plant lady but uh it's hard to keep a plant alive and i over mother them i overwater them it's difficult but uh i do have two plants in my shower one of them is dead and the other one my cat eats which is problematic oh is it non-toxic though oh yeah i'm yeah i don't that's the thing is we also have to be careful about what we leave around because she will eat it. So I'm like, okay, right. fine. No, it's not toxic, but it has a ton of bite marks in it. <laughs> well, I think we, sh- we will do a plant episode uh, coming up in the next little bit. So stay tuned for more of that. Ooh. But this is a sign that we've reached the next phase of our life. We are stable enough to have and own plants. Yes. Having own plants, having uh, a, a crisis about what to do about your cat that's eating plants that you have as a child. Right. You have a cat. I forgot. You you have more responsibility because you own a living being that you take care of and take to the vet. And She's stinky, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're here with responsibilities and we're living in our adulthood. So... But the the reason why like this adulthood is so weird is because it's almost like I kept seeing this everywhere when I was researching this, Claire. It was like a pretend adulthood, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I feel that really deeply. Like we feel and I want to talk a little bit more about this later because we're going to share a lot of facts before we get into our personal opinions. But my friends and I from college especially talk about this as much as we love college and we thought that it prepared us for certain aspects, we do not feel like it prepared us for the real world. And there's this such a weird phase when you leave college or leave home or whatever, where you don't feel like a real adult. And so many people use that word, like real adult. Well, I'm an adult, but I'm not like an adult adult. (laughs) It's like, yes, you are. (laughs) Yeah. And that's why, like, when I looked all this up, like, a lot of people talk about, like, it happening around you being, like, 25 years old. And, like, that's the benchmark, right? Because 25 is literally a quarter of 100. Um, but upon, like, looking into it and thinking about my own life, like, it can really just happen depending on 
the person you are and the life that you happen to fall into at that time in life. Like I've met a lot of people and I know a lot of people, including myself, who had a quarter life crisis a little earlier on in their 20s, especially after college, like Claire's saying. Yeah. Um, can, can you define what a quarter life crisis is for those of us that maybe like aren't clear on? So we're all operating under the same definition, I guess. Yeah, it's it's basically that there's stressors in the t- your 20s that or early or late that induce this quarter life crisis. It can be job searching, career planning, living alone, navigating relationships or some big long term decision was made and you're feeling this sense of a crisis. And a way the way it works is uh, kind of brought up in four stages usually for people. It starts out that you've like you're out of place in your life. Right. Where you're taking on a lot of adult like situations. You've been probably before this, before this, uh, the beginning of these stages, kind of maybe you left home, you uh, were living with your parents or you just got out of college or you you were living in kind of a childlike state before this in some way. Maybe you had been, I don't know, just partying a lot. Maybe you're the type of person who was traveling the world, something like that. And finally, you're like put in a situation where you're like, I'm going to take this mature, like stable, quote unquote, job or like, I'm going to start this committed relationship and you are put in this situation and it might feel really good for a while and really stable and you might feel like an adult. And this is what turns into the second stage, which is that pretend adulthood that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. So you're feeling kind of locked in to that commitment that you made. You're feeling trapped. And this like in itself is isolating because you feel like you should be doing the right thing. You know, like you feel like, oh, I'm in this adulthood. Like I'm doing the thing that everyone talks about that I should be doing. Right. Like I made that career choice. Like I decided to live alone as an adult, like anything like that. But yet you feel like trapped in a way. So that brings us to the third stage where you realize how trapped you are and realize that you need to change things. So you leave that thing that's trapping you, whether that be the job, whether that be the group of friends you were hanging with, whether that be the relationship and the person you were with. And um, you leave that thing. And this is kind of the worst part of the crisis for a lot of people. This is the part where you feel isolated, lonely, you're doing a lot of reflection on your life, a lot of recalibration. And this is kind of, uh, it's a really important time, but because it's kind of that weird in between after you're leaving that thing that made you stable, it's lonely, you know, Uh, Mm -hmm. or it can be. So after that, though, you will emerge on the other side like a butterfly from a chrysalis and (laughs) you'll be happier and motivated to explore new interests, hobbies, people, social groups, careers after that. So that's the fourth and final stage, which is um, kind of realizing what true adulthood is in a way for you. Um, And the other thing about these stages, though, is that this can happen over and over. And that is not your fault if it happens over and over. But like, I feel like anything in life you know, things fluctuate and you might have more than one stage or you might go back and then go forward. But like, those are typically the stages of a quarter life crisis. Yeah, I feel like it's really normal, especially 
Uh, it, it's interesting because when I looked it up, a lot of this said it was just a umbrella term was you're anxious over the direction and quality of your life. Mm-hmm. So I think direction is really interesting because that can involve relationships, career, and quality is like, it, it's kind of a new thing. Like I think our grandparents weren't as worried about the quality of, of their lives. Um, they put their head down and they went to work. And I think like millennials, Gen Z are, are, we're very concerned about like how happy are we? What brings us fulfillment? I think this is a wonderful shift as a uh, Gen Z right on the cusp, a zillennial, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that this is a a great shift in our culture, Um, but it is kind of a hard, a hard time. Sometimes I wish I could be one of those people that just like puts my head down and climbs the ladder and doesn't worry as much, but that's just not who I am, I know that you're the same way. Yeah. And we want that like higher quality. We want that like internal fulfillment. And I, I think I like remember reading a while ago about how like the things we spend our, our money on generational wise is like way different than the generation before, you know? So like millennials or zillennials, if you will, um, we like to spend our money on like experiences and like, whereas before it was more material, like people would buy things for people. Like I, like I was just talking about earlier, one of the gifts I got was like learning things, like learning about astrology. So like that is important to us. Um, the people our age now, it's important for us to like experience things. And I wonder if that has to do with this a bit about how like the quarter life crisis is bigger now because we're more anxious about experiencing things and having enjoyment of those things rather than just receiving things or having material things from the work we do. And yeah, I think personally generations are a bit generalizing. (laughs) Right. Of course. Um, So it's not necessarily true that like people in older generations don't didn't also have quarter life crisis or anything like that. It's just like that might I wonder if that has something to do with it. But I also wanted to bring up this quote that um, this man named Cyrus Williams said he's a member of the American Counseling Association. And he said to Counseling Today, which is the publication of the ACA, the American Counseling Association, he said, as a culture, we all think that age 25 is the best stage of our life. These folks are happy. They're doing everything they want, and it's a great time of life. We really need to acknowledge and not minimize this time period. So basically, like what he was talking about was how this time period, everyone just assumes that like you should just have fun in your 20s and like go party, like chill, like whatever. And like that's true. Like the 20s are for that. However, like it's not it's it's not acknowledged that this is not only just a time for like being in your twenties and like being like your youthful, charming self, but it's also like the time in between being a child and being an adult. Like you are literally becoming an adult. Like the things that happen in your twenties affect you more in those 10 years than like probably the next 20 years of your life will affect that, like how your legacy is. So that like hits 20 year olds like it's not like 25 year olds don't know that and that's why the crisis happens because <laughs> you know all this and yet you can't do anything because you're only 25 <laughs> yeah I, I feel like I have two thoughts one is uh, I looked up a lot about how not everyone has a quarter life crisis but the typical sufferer is a highly driven and smart person and we 
so to compliment myself. (laughs) Oh my God. Struggling with this because they feel like they're not achieving their potential or falling behind. And I feel like that is so ingrained into us in like school in kind of the high school, especially system of like achieving your potential. Don't fall behind, like stay with it. What's your class rank? How are you doing? And then into college, like, are you maximizing your college experience as two women that went to college? Um, are you falling behind? And we often don't think about like, what's the plan after college? It's more just like making sure you're at the front of the pack while you're there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I I think it's also just so ingrained in us around us that we know that we're like always gonna feel this way. And so like, we're always being talked about like on social media, how we need to like keep growing and keep changing and like, wow, look inside and like self care and like self growth and like that all. I, I, I don't think it's even hard to fall into this mindset anymore, honestly. Yeah, I mean, the weirdest thing for me is like, I was sitting realizing the other day that you know, I really am a person that wants to follow the path of getting married and having kids and to feel like I'm maybe just as close to high school as I am to like getting married and having kids is very weird to me because I feel very close to high school still. Obviously, I'm (laughs) recording this podcast with my best friend from (laughs) high school. So it's very weird to feel like I'm just as close to that phase of my life as I am to this phase that feels very adult, that feels very kind of intense and like a culmination of of what I've wanted for a long time. But I don't want that now. No worries. No rush. (laughs) (laughs) But obviously, it's still on the mind uh, as it is for like everyone our age, because everyone is either um, not getting married at all and nowhere close to it or like has three kids. So it's just like that weird moment. Yeah, we're, we're definitely starting like in our friend groups to see like, uh, or even like fringe friend groups, like people from college, I was mm-hmm. in a sorority that are starting to kind of follow that, like get engaged to get married. And they're like the first people. And I know that me and my friends will be a little bit later, which is great. <laughs> I'm yeah. very glad I don't have pressure from my friend group and feeling like everyone's moving. But it is weird to go onto social media and be like, oh, somebody else just got engaged. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I like this. Uh, there's this like poster that I've seen uh, in an interior designer's uh, store. And it says... Uh, one of my best friends got engaged last night and I ate an entire box of wheat thins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, if you're going to eat anything uh, that much, I guess wheat thins would probably be one of the more healthy choices. I, on the other hand, would probably just eat Doritos. So <laughs> yeah, they're whole grain. So yeah, I-, I feel like there's been a huge rise in the idea of having a quarter life crisis. And I, I, we talked about this a little bit a few minutes ago, but, uh, I definitely think, and in my research backed me up, said that it has to do with our generation having a higher level of student loans, which delays us being able to buy a home. 
and which delays people being able to invest. And a lot of people feel like if they can't buy a home or they're not financially stable, not speaking for everyone, but in my research, I found that people delay marriage then. And the average median age of marriage has actually gone up in the last few years. It's now at about 28 to 30 for women, and this is average, and we're at 30 to 32 for men. That is not surprising to me at all. And um, also just hearing, I think that also verifies it even more for me, because even hearing you say that median is 28 to 30 for women, like for me at 25 feels low to me. Yeah. Like, I'm like, only 28, 30 and not like 30, 30, 32. Like, That's why I love that episode of Broad City when Alana gets proposed to and she's like, 29 or 28 or something and she's like a child bride that's illegal (laughs) (laughs) yes i totally forgot you watch broad city stellar show i mean do you i think it's really hard not to compare ourselves to our parents sometimes and think about the fact that like my mom definitely owned a home at my age (laughs) um And that's just not the case. That's not like easily accessible anymore. Do you think that that has something to do with why people are having more quarter life crises now? No, I mean, it makes sense. I, I couldn't imagine being the place I like my parents were when they were my age, but you're, you're absolutely right too. That it's just that that's not the world we live in anymore. Like the economy has changed. Obviously the way our world work works is just so much different than it was like 25 years ago um but like that being said I don't know I I do know there's also some people who are able to get a house or have kids or uh have the exact career they want like I think too what what also causes quarter life crises is, is the whole career thing and I don't think that's always so um black and white with success. Like I think one of the things, at least for me, which I'll talk more about later is like, where am I going with my career? Right. And I think that that is been a big thing as of recently too, especially for the pandemic. Like I'm sure there's been a ton of people having huge quarter life crises because they can't pursue the career they want because the job market's so crazy right now. It's the career plus um, not being able to like, I don't know, start a family for some people who maybe need those things to start a family. It's like all those combined absolutely makes a higher rate of crises happen. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely think so. Before the pandemic, there was this coin, there was this term coined for millennials uh, calling them. And I remember seeing commercials on this, about this on TV when I was like 15. So this was millennials made this a thing before I was even out of high school, but calling them the boomerang generation or the Peter Pan generation, because there was such a high number of millennials that moved back in with their parents in their twenties, mid twenties. And, uh, for, for longer periods than previous generations, um, not just right after college, but some people stayed for a few years. And I think that this is even more accelerated now because of the pandemic. Uh, So many people left their lives to move in with their parents because their parents have that stability. And uh, I think 
that's really interesting to consider. Like I'd be interested a few months from now, kind of post that phase of the pandemic to be able to see some more articles and information on how that's affected the quarter life crisis. Well, like when I think of my friend group, I think of like, I've been thinking about it, how half of them, at least half of them either live with their parents, live with a partner, but in a rented place, never in a owned place. Yeah. And the smallest minority live alone. I can't even think of a friend I have that lives alone, not with roommates. Um, I feel like a sense of camaraderie though. (laughs) Like I feel like, I I feel like we're all like working hard for it. And um, when a friend does like live alone, we're all like, yeah, like (laughs) go for it. Like I have maybe one, two friends that live alone. uh, And I think that it's really, kind of interesting that we're all in this same spot. And I do find myself gravitating towards friends that are in similar situations to me because it's just like you relate on a different level because they understand you. Well, woof, that was a doozy. This is just a heavy episode. I think I, I think, I think that's the problem. (laughs) This is, I mean, this is heavy stuff, Claire. Uh, We, 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 we talked about pranks last week and charcuterie the week uh, wait, no, we talked about pranks and then we talked about charcuterie, both very light, fun, like topics. And now we're talking about literally having a crisis about where you are in life. Um, but I think it is so important that we're talking about it because it's going to normalize it for our listeners that are very similar ages to us uh, because I, we will get to a little bit. After, uh, we'll get to kind of our advice for how to deal with this and the internet's advice. But a big thing is talk about it. And here we are talking about it. We go through it. Everyone goes through it. And we'll go through it a little bit more after we take a brief recess. It's cheese break cheese break (laughs) i guess it is claire uh today we're talking a bit about our last episode about charcuterie Ooh, have you had any charcuterie since our last episode i haven't but i did just go grocery shopping so maybe in the future i'll have some charcuterie (laughs) <laughs> oh, it's it's a staple of our weekend here. We we've turned into real adults. Isn't oh. that so bougie? So like do you have charcuterie at dinner or do you have like uh before dinner hors d'oeuvres? Happy. Hour. We like to have charcuterie as dinner at home. It's like the most simple non cooking. Don't have to turn the oven on in any kind of way. Uh, and we just hit up Trader Joe's and, and fill out some essentials. But we asked all of you, what are your charcuterie board must-haves? And I found a really funny gift to go along with that that says charcuterie boards are grown-up Lunchables, which I love. That's I relate true. to that. <laughs> and we got some funny answers like blue cheese, which I feel like is a very controversial um, answer to say. Because I don't know. What's your thoughts on blue cheese, Claire? I think it's gross, but if you like it, then you like it. You know, personally, I wouldn't consume it, but. 
It's a little stinky. Here's the thing. I like blue cheese. I actually um, had a turkey burger earlier this week with like a blue cheese dressing on it. Like, well, not dressing, I guess, because it was like a mayo. So like a blue cheese mayo. Um, and I thought that was really good because it was like a spicy turkey burger. It's really yummy. Um, but like, it's a little stinky. And I don't think that I would choose to put blue cheese on my charcuterie board. Nonetheless, use it as an essential item. I know yeah. it's very surprising to me. Well, I find it interesting that everyone has what they associate with a charcuterie board. So someone else said grapes and a soft cheese, whereas another person uh, listed a type of cheese, Fontina, which I know is like a kind of in the middle cheese. So we have a we have a wide array of what so, everyone likes. Yeah, and I'm glad that grapes was mentioned by you all because um, I think I mentioned apples last week, but grapes are a great one as well you could say claire it's a grape choice oh god (laughs) well speaking of grapes i also asked everyone on our instagram is wine a necessary part of charcuterie and 82 percent of you said yes the other 18 percent of you are no fun at a party no i'm kidding (laughs) um (laughs) yeah i mean I'm actually surprised that yes won out so much. Like, yes, I agree. Wine and cheese, easy deal. But I don't know. I don't always have wine with charcuterie. I definitely voted yes because the best charcuterie is with wine. But I'm surprised how much that won out. I guess if you have an excuse to drink wine. Why not? (laughs) Why not? I uh, why? Oh, God, <laughs> we got to stop with these. Well, to zoom through our last two questions that we asked, we kind of went overboard a little with asking a lot of questions because uh, charcuterie is such an enriching topic. Uh, we asked, is sharing charcuterie romantic? Because we were inspired by that charcuterie uh, story I shared last week. If you don't know what I'm talking about, please go back and listen to uh, how somebody rejected someone else because they felt like sharing charcuterie was too much of a next step. And surprisingly, 60% of you said, yes, it is romantic. I thought we'd get more of an even split. Yeah, I'm surprised by that too, especially because I feel like it's so platonic too. Like so many people just casually eat charcuterie. But what I will say is I feel like charcuterie is a great first date food because it's not too messy. You don't feel like you're like eating like a big meal in the middle of a conversation. You're kind of like snacking throughout the conversation. I feel like it's Mm. a perfect date meal because it's just like you're just kind of grabbing at things, but you're still getting full and like getting your protein in at the same time. So I yeah, and that. you're swabbing, you're swabbing spit, you're sharing germs because you're eating from the same plate. Ah, look at that. <laughs> swabbing that saliva before we even get there. Ew. Oh, ew. <laughs> well, lastly, I asked um, overall thoughts on charcuterie and 87% of you said it's amazing and 13% of you said that you don't get the hype. And I'm going to say those 13% of you probably aren't that fun at a party. Hey, <laughs> don't be mean to them. Maybe they don't like cheese. I'm Maybe partial. they're lactose I'm intolerant. Hey, I am too, but I make it work. <laughs> you make yourself suffer for the charcuterie board. Well, I think this was a nice little mid uh mid or quarter break from our episode about quarter <laughs> life crisis. Let's get back into it.
you want me to say welcome you back say from it. recess? You, you always want to say it. Say it. <laughs> it's it's kind of your line. I feel like I'm stealing your line. I'm stepping on your toes. Well, welcome back from recess, everybody. Well, this is getting a, a heated, 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 heated. What am I saying? I'm getting blown away by the the rage, the Aries rage. Oh yeah, was that really rageful? <laughs> You can call me a lot of things, but I think angry would not be one of them. It's very hard for me to get angry. That is true. I feel like I haven't seen Claire angry much in my life. When it happens, I'm really quiet. Yeah. That's the cap moon for you, for uh, people who understand astrology. (laughs) Well, now that we're back, we want to kind of lighten it up and talk a little bit about some pop culture kind of references to the quarter life crisis and maybe if you're like I don't really understand like I'm not there at my life yet you might hear one of these and be like oh so in music we've got uh the song by John Mayer Why Georgia that uh is apparently about a quarter life crisis based on John Mayer's experience during this age period when he moved to Georgia oh yeah why georgia i don't know the song oh thank you for singing it it for us thank you uh and then a song i think you will know fleetwood mac uh their song landslide apparently is about a quarter life crisis which I i never thought about it like that but it makes a lot of sense it's all about like uncertainty and like looking at yourself and that's very interesting. So I will be oh, playing that with new meaning now. Absolutely. Have you never listened to that song while laying on your bed with your like eyes staring at your ceiling and like just thinking about where you are in life and like having a little tear fall down I'm your face? be honest. I'm going to be honest. The first time I heard that song, and I love Fleetwood Mac for Fleetwood Mac now, so please don't come <laughs> at me. But the first time I heard that song was definitely the Glee version in the Fleetwood Mac episode, and Santana and Britney sang it to each other. So I always thought it was a romantic song. Which is an amazing scene. Right. Of course. But I always thought, like, the song was about loving another person and being unsure. But I love looking at it from the context. And, of course, you can interpret music any way that you like. Glee certainly did that a lot. Um, But I love (laughs) that this song is more, like, internal and about, like, exploring yourself and your self-doubts and fears yeah it's it's a good one and then kind of in film i feel like there are so many tv shows that deal with the quarter life crisis i think broad city is a huge one um especially i won't give away the end of broad city but feeling like it's time to move on to the next phase of your life was like a huge thing that happened in broad city uh some other shows or movies that this happened in 500 days of summer Silver Linings Playbook, um, High Fidelity. I haven't those, watched that yet. I need to oh, watch those that. Those were some that really stood out to me. Oh, The Graduate was one of the big films. Remember that film? Well, that's crazy you say that because isn't The Graduate in 500 Days of Summer? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And then uh, a lot of TV shows like I said, touch on this, but one moment specifically that stood out to me when I think about kind of a quarter life crisis that I think everyone will understand because everyone has seen The Office um, was Pam in The Office deciding to go back to art school. 
and then coming back and deciding that art school wasn't for her. She has so many. She is the character to watch for quarter life crises. <laughs> yeah. She leaves a comfortable relationship and engagement. And then she tries to find herself after that. And then she starts to get into art. And then she tries to find herself after that. And then she goes to design school and tries to find herself through that. And then she comes back and marries Jim and they have a baby. And she goes through like a little another crisis um, after they have their second baby. So I I just think she's the person to watch. But especially it's very relatable when she's like, I don't, she doesn't feel like she's reaching her full potential. And she decides to go back to art school. Yeah. So. And that's the the stages right there where you can go through all the stages, come back on the other side and realize that you're at the first step again, that you are going through the crisis again. Like that definitely happens. And I think crisis is such a heavy word for some people. It's like (laughs) it's not like a crisis. Like it's it's like more. It's like you're a little caterpillar going through the stages of uh, metamorphosis. Right. And I think of like, we're both theater people, like the stages of kind of like the fall, winter, spring, summer, and like how rebirth is every summer. And if you think about it, like those four stages, uh, it also applies your hero's journey, whatever, AP lit. I took that class. I love thinking that I'm just on a hero's journey because that makes me feel like Captain Marvel or something. Main character energy. I love Main it. character energy. Well, Michelle, will you... I feel like there has to be some references to this in folklore. Yes, absolutely. So I literally looked up like quarter life crisis. Uh, I, I think I looked up like spirituality or something like that. And Yakudoshi came up. So... For our Japanese listeners, I only learned about this recently, so I'm sorry if I'm not totally covering all of this correctly, like everything we cover on the show, but yakudoshi are like years in a person's life that in traditional Japanese culture, they believe to be years of bad luck and filled with calamity. Um, I think that's what the word yakudoshi means maybe is calamity, because that was always put next to it. Vocab word. Love there it. you go. Um, so before I tell you what ages are, bad luck ages, essentially, um, I need to note that in traditional age rec- reckoning in Japan, they consider children to be born at one years old. So basically, take a year off for yourself if you're thinking about yourself in these contexts, because they already like at when a they're year on at a year on. Y- to your age. Yes. To be their age. So you'd be yes. 26. I'd be 25. Essentially. Yeah, yeah. Essentially. Okay, yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. I hope 25 is not unlucky then. <laughs> well. Um, oh, no. <laughs> well, um, so for men, the ages most considered unlucky are 25, 42, and 61. Um, and then for women, the ages most considered unlucky are 19, 33, and 37. So the women have it real bad in their, th- their 30s. It's hard. <laughs> I know. Because not only that, but like also the years surrounding it have significance. So the year beforehand is called uh, a maiku, mayaku. And during that year, some dangerous omens will happen or some omens for what's to come. And then the year after is an Adiyaku, and some dangerous things can happen during that year as well. And 
Also to note, there is uh, two of those six years that are the worst of all. They're called Dayakudoshi. Dayakudoshi. And that means they're great calamity years. For women, their Dayakudoshi is the year 33. And for men, it's 42. So uh, these kind of in their folklore goes along with, I think, every crisis. Like there's obviously midlife crisis. And that seems to happen in Japanese folklore around, I guess, like 37 for women, maybe I guess 33 for women, which is so young to have a midlife crisis. But I feel like you could still be having your quarter life crisis. Right. I, I think so, too. And I wonder. Yeah, I don't know. But I I note the fact that there's one at 19 for women, because that absolutely is fair that you could start having a quarter life crisis at 18, even because you're finishing high school. Like, I think that's definitely possible. Um, mm-hmm. So that's how they view it. And the ways to get rid of these dangerous, bad things during your yakudoshi years is by um, praying, obviously, donating to temples, um, setting special charms on fire, you know, things like that. <laughs> yes. So that's yakudoshi. Um, and if you have any more information about yakudoshi, dear listener, please don't hesitate to let us know. Um, I find it truly interesting. But there's also the Saturn return um, in astrology. And the Saturn return happens a little later than 18 years old for women. It happens when you're 29 and a half years old. And what that means is that the planet Saturn is returned in the universe to where it was when you were born. And yes. And this happens again around the time you're 57 to 60 years old, which would align very well with your your midlife crisis. Um, And this time brings an awareness of mortality and the amount of time you have so saturn if you don't know is kind of the roman god of time so that kind of makes sense fence (laughs) what am i saying (laughs) it kind of makes sense um it brings a lot of commitment to things in life you if you had like a fog a brain fog, if you will, over your first 29 and a half years of life. And you were just kind of floating through using your like childish um, and, and youthful energy through that time. Then this is probably the time where it's all hitting you um, and all the things that are around you. You finally want to settle down, essentially. Um, and this kind of lines up, I think, with a lot of people and like uh, in terms of like I, I don't know if you watch Sex in the City or any of our listeners watch Sex in the City, but like I feel like the men on that show are always like not ready to settle down till they're 30. And so like this would kind of align with that thought that like men aren't ready to settle down until they're done with their 20s or things like that. Like it would make sense if I guess you believe in a Saturn return because you don't really want stability until that time. And I feel like actually a lot of people would relate to that. And I feel like I even relate to that a little bit. Yeah, I I think that that's really interesting. Uh, I've heard about Saturn return, but I didn't think about kind of what it meant. And that makes me feel, I feel like that's the time that a lot of people settle down. My mom was just saying to me the other day, wait till you're 28, 29, 30. That's like boom, 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 boom. Like a lot of people that are going to move out of the cities that they live, move, buy a house, get married. Like it's going to be like crazy. And I've heard of wedding season before. 
Um, but my sister is now entering kind of, she's only 27, but next year I feel like she's already gearing up for like wedding season to start happening mm-hmm. around her. So people do really Saturn returns and they, they buckle down and face their own mortality and decide to kind of settle. But I also I think that it, it, I did read in some places that it, it, kind of causes you to question your own authority on your own life. Like if you're 28, 29, 30 years old, you kind of, I guess, to know that that's the time that people expect you to know where you're at, like know where you're headed. And so like, that's what causes like all those questions and all those anxieties that we've already talked about, you know, like that Saturn return makes you like shake off those societal expectations and be like, okay, I know what everyone else wants from me, but like, this is where I'm actually at now like what am I going to do about that and like what do I actually want yeah well that actually really makes me think about kind of the advice that I've seen online about this and I'd love to just hop into the advice but the number one piece of advice when I looked at how to get over your quarter life crisis was stop comparing yourself to others and I think that social media has made a huge play in people upping their feeling of a quarter life crisis because like I said at the beginning of the episode, seeing friends getting engaged, um, seeing friends really thriving in their job, even LinkedIn, I'm going to call social media. Like I get a notification when one of my connections gets a promotion. I like that. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to know. I want to know if it's a friend, of course, and I want to congratulate them. But like the other day I logged on to LinkedIn and I had like seven notifications that like seven of my connections had been promoted. I was like, okay, cool. Yikes. (laughs) So the first piece of advice is stop comparing yourself now. And I think this also means stop comparing yourself to what you think in from pop culture, from society is that pressure of when you should be at certain phases of your relationships, career, life, home ownership. But I also think we should stop comparing ourselves to where our parents were and where older generations were at this age. I think it's just as toxic. Yeah, definitely. Because things change, people change, and what you want out of life changes. And yeah, you just can't really... Everything happens so specifically and like differently for everyone that it's just so hard to put that on yourself. Yeah. And the second piece of advice, which we have been doing a great job at, is talk about it because I think a lot of people feel very ashamed and feel very stuck. And especially when they go, when we go to like, and this hasn't been an issue the past year as much, but when you're at like, I don't know, work events or like college reunions or cocktail parties or eventually like wedding showers, weddings, um, you don't really want to be that person that's like, actually things aren't going well. (laughs) But (laughs) I think that nobody really wants to listen to somebody else blab about how great things are going. You'd rather just like have somebody be honest and be like, you know, this is going well, but like this needs work. Like I'm not quite sure where I'm going to go with this. And also like talking with, I think your best friends, the people around you, Jeff and I talk about this all the time. I think it's very healthy to talk about in relationships, especially in regards to like our careers and where we want to move and all of that. And like, we know we're in this together. So we have that sense of kind of stability, but I think you can have that same uh, relationship with a friend as well and say like, all right, like let's talk each other through this. Um, I, I also think this is maybe a hot take. 
I think that people, and I felt this way in my first job, you get into your first job after college and you start to feel that like second, maybe it was the second phase or third phase, second phase of the quarter life crisis where you feel very stuck in your adulthood, but you also feel like this is what you're supposed to be doing and you feel like you can't move on yeah. from it. And I have felt that way. And I think the biggest thing was friends reminded me and I've reminded friends like this doesn't have to be forever. You don't have to be in this job forever. You don't have to be in this path forever. You don't have to be in this city forever. Like just try to enjoy it for right now. And I honestly think life is too long to have one mm -hmm. career, to have one path, to only dive into one interest. I think we are very versatile people with a lot of interests and uh, we're all very creative people, especially if you're listening to this podcast. So it makes sense to want to dive into many of those. Honestly, life. it's a little emotional, like talking about this with you, Claire, because we've seen each other in so many lights, uh, audience and listeners. Um, and if you don't want me to talk about this part, I won't. But like when... I was going through a big moment a couple of years ago. It was like right when Claire was about to graduate college and she called me like a little nervous about what was ahead when she graduated college. Like there are a few exciting things happening for her, like career wise, relationship wise, but she didn't know what to expect going into the adult world. So she like asked me who had been out in it for a year, like my advice a little bit. And I was like, don't have a plan because I didn't have a plan. And like there's... There's like this moment before you reach that point where you, I remember you planning so much. You would like had so many things like nailed down and like <laughs> you get, at a certain point you have to have a plan, but it's like that exact moment of going into adulthood and then like everything blowing up. I think that like kind of needs to happen for you to grow and it's scary, but like that's yeah. what life is. Well, and I think I'm a lot more comfortable with the unknown because of the pandemic affecting a lot of my life plans and just becoming an adult affecting a lot of my life mm -hmm. plans and the reality of all that hitting me. I, I think it's really interesting to talk to people that are still in college about their plan because they do need to have that kind of moment of being out in the world, out of the bubble of college um, and if you're in college listening, I still think that you're a wonderful adult and you are very emotionally intelligent, most likely, and mature. But it is just a different sense uh, when you're out. So I appreciate you being very honest with me then, Michelle. I remember our conversation. <laughs> yeah. And I think that it's also really hard, and maybe this would be my own piece of advice in here, when you're graduating high school, graduating college, kind of moving to the next step in your life, a lot of people ask you, what's your plan? And so you feel like you have to have a plan. And I think that's where mine came from. Like, I felt like I had gotten so good at answering that question because everyone was asking me that it was almost like lines that I was reciting. And I didn't know if I actually believed them or felt 100% behind them. But I think it's okay to say, I've got a few things on the horizon. I've got a few things that I'm looking forward to. This is what my next one month, six months, one year is going to look like. But beyond that, here's a few of my dreams, yeah. you know? And, and I think that that's really and important. And at the same time, I don't think there's anything wrong with making plans in terms and like 
you shouldn't be scared to make plans and adult like things if you have no idea what that looks like for you. Because the only way you'll find out what adulthood looks like for you is if you try things and aren't scared that they're about to blow up in your face if they're gonna. Yes. Okay. No regrets. Is (laughs) no regrets. Um, (laughs) Is and I think that this is pretty self-explanatory. But quit shooting yourself. Quit saying I should be married. I did not know what you said. I should be making a lot of money by now or I should be very happy right now. So quit like saying should, I should be this, I should be that. Um, Cause don't give yourself like age deadlines. I feel like a lot of people mm-hmm. do that. Uh, and I, I think that's pretty toxic on yourself. You just gotta feel it out. We're, I'm a pretty go with the flow person now, which I might not have said about myself a few years ago. No, I wouldn't have said that about you a few years ago. Aw, that makes me proud of you. Okay, two more quick pieces of advice, and I think that they are so crucial, so I did not want to skip over them. The next one is do some due due diligence. (laughs) The next one is do some due (laughs) diligence on yourself. So listen to this podcast. Learn your Myers-Briggs. Learn your Enneagram. Learn all about yourself that you possibly can and know that these tests don't define you, but it is so important when you feel stuck to feel like you can have a little bit of direction and clarity. I know I started getting really into the Enneagram in the fall when I felt like I didn't know what I wanted to do next. And it has helped point me kind of in the direction for now. And then the last one is to daydream. I feel like people get into quote unquote adulthood and they stop like daydreaming. They start to be like, this is where I am. This is what this is going to look like. But like daydream, visualize where you want to be in five years, 10 years, 20 years. And it doesn't have to be like a limit on yourself and it doesn't have to be your plan. This is your dream. Like I've actually done this before where I fold a piece of paper into like quadrants. And then I did this in college. You write your five-year plan and then you write like four different five-year plans in each quadrant. So one is like, I moved to Colorado and I blah, 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 blah. And then the next one is like, I go to grad school abroad and, you know, I'm, and it's just very fun to see like four different plans and know that kind of the, the universe will take over from there. Yeah, I love that. It's also nice to be in that dream world for a moment and be like, I could do that. And like, I am confident enough to believe that like I could be there. And bring it up to your friends because they're going to hype you and be like, yes, you can. <laughs> like, yes, you can. You know, yeah. <laughs> I want to get hyped for you about something after this podcast. I'm, I have something in mind. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. Well, I guess we have to end it then. Sorry, listeners, that you will not be able to listen to our Secrets. more personal chat. <laughs> this was so personal. This was probably the most personal we've been Oof. on the pod. We got close there. Well, that's the end of that personal stuff then. Uh, follow us on Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And a question for you all today. Take it away, Claire. <laughs> I really would like to know, and we'll ask a few questions on our um, Instagram, but I want to know kind of if you have gone through any changes or quarter life crises and how those have affected you and then I'd also want to know like if there are any kind of pop culture references that stand out to you sounds good to hear we can't wait to hear it subscribe rate and review and we'll see you next time 
Bye. Woo.